We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. When was the last time you went into a bank? Now more than ever, who you're doing business with is more important than where they're located. Emprise is a trusted company with the mobile tools that take your banking beyond the borders of whatever city you live in. Emprise Bank. Member FDIC, our partner in Possible. Absolutely wonderful to work with them. They've been so great. Um, I, uh, I cannot speak any more highly of them. They are great. If you have any banking needs, check them out. Trust me, you will not regret your experience with them. Uh, I am regretting, uh, our experience on Sunday. This is going to be a fun episode. Um, this is, uh, look, I don't think we're going to air our grievances every single week. This needs to be a little bit of airing of grievances. I think today we'll probably read some of your comments, air your grievances in the comments. This is a this is a safe space. I think it's much needed after that loss. Here to help me cope. <laughs> Find him on Twitter at Maddie underscore Casey is it. Matthew Lane. Hi. Buddy, your opening transition was getting dangerous. I thought you were about to say you regretted having to be on this podcast with us what? because you know what's coming. This is an all-defensive podcast, baby. We ain't talking <laughs> offense at all. All the, all the way, Craig. Let's go. Let's do pause. it. No offensive talk. Just, just Zero defense pause. all the time. No, that actually might be one of the few times we mentioned defense tonight. Because <laughs> defense is fine. It's the most consistent part of the team right now. It is perfectly fine. I heard what you whispered. Don't try to say that. Sure, sure. But I mean, like, listen, we'll we'll talk about the defense a little bit. But I mean, we got it. There's offense. There's special teams. There's stuff to talk about here. 
hit the like button hit the subscribe button leave an angry comment you can be a little mean today it's fine take it out on us it's fine we don't care uh this we air a few grievances we'll we'll get to some of your comments some of your thoughts some of the things that frustrated you during the game uh we are going to be sprinkling in the things that drove us nuts during this game and uh i can't believe i'm starting with this <laughs> we have to start with it today the chiefs released from their practice squad, Matt this Amendola. Nope, I'm yep. out. That, <laughs> that's fine. No, it's good. No, good. That's perfect. I won't get interrupted for like a good 60 seconds. This is new territory for me. Um, I just want to say, I'm not mad at Matt Amendola. I'm not mad at him at all. I'm sorry. I, I know he drew some ire yesterday. I am not frustrated with Matt Amendola. I am frustrated... With the process that wound up with Matt Amendola as the kicker, I, this I, here's the thing: when the news was announced that Matt Amendola was visiting the Chiefs and signing with the practice squad, everyone, everyone on Twitter went, "Really, really? That's your choice?" The what a, a highly unproductive, inconsistent NFL kicker who just got released by the Texans. Really, that was your choice? And then we come to find out that Dave Tobe had a six-man competition with a bunch of capable kickers alongside Matt Amendola. There was six of them. And, and guess what? I think Matt Amendola was the least productive of all of them. So I, I am not mad at Matt Amendola. I am mad at the process that did not take into consideration the guys that have had success in the NFL at the kicking position. I am, I, I'm like everyone, ex, everyone saw the iceberg. Everyone saw the iceberg guys, except for Dave Tobe. I don't understand why I, a six man fight to the death in Arrowhead does not constitute 70,000 screaming fans and millions of people watching in the livelihood okay. of 52 other okay. football players. Uh, I got to interrupt you there because it's not a fight to the death because it clearly wasn't a fight to the death. One <laughs> of the kickers, part of that competition was kicking for the Colts yesterday and made two long field goals. So it wasn't and, a and fight doing to doing wonderfully. Death. Yes. And producing yeah. wonderfully in that game. Very good point. I'm sorry. It wasn't to the death. Might've been a little bit intense. I just, I, that frustrates me and everyone saw it coming and everyone when Matt Amendola was signed said, man, I hope this, you know, I hope the Chargers game doesn't come down to a field goal. I mean, we got excited about a field goal at the one inch line against the Chargers because we knew it was a no pressure field goal. We're like, well, at least, at least, at least, you know, they got the easy one out of the way. So that's not a pressure kick. Chase McLaughlin looked wonderful this week. I would have loved to have a Chase McLaughlin. I mean, yeah. Craig, yeah. get your takes in. <laughs> I yeah, no, no, I I agree, I agree. It, it was not a particularly good choice. Um, uh, obviously, the Chiefs recognized that by cutting him today. Um, we don't know that Harrison Butker is any healthier. I mean, Dave Tobe talked about how he was working on one step approaches. It could be that we're going to see Harrison Butker taking extra points and field goals. Obviously, not with range I, I say that he drilled a 54 yarder on one step but like maybe justin reed is the guy that's taking kickoffs i think that's going to be the one that Love that it. you got to worry a little bit about and that's fine i guess i mean i don't want to wear justin reed out either but we're now to the point where you're gonna have another Kicking. competition 
you 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 gonna you gonna bring it back in again oh. and try and you know have another competition? No, no. Roll with what Please. you got. Just uh, just do <laughs> just for do my sake. Have. Make it I a mean, web series. That's okay. Oh, I was okay. completely I was completely uninvested in this entire talking point. I think special teams are a giant scapegoat for everything else that went wrong for this game even being close enough that special teams mattered against the Indianapolis Colts who were blanked by the Jacksonville Jaguars, who maybe are good, I don't know, but they were still just blanked by the one team they cared to beat. I have no dog in the race of this special teams convo. We said it then, we said it now. I don't know how we got the job. It is what it is. The game should have never been close. That said, you want to bring back the four other kickers that are no longer, that aren't on a roster yet, and you want to make a Kansas City Chiefs, you know, production, a YouTube series about them having this kicking competition, I am all the way in. I will be there Lead every in. second of that video now. I, you have pulled me back in now. Kicking for the kingdom. No. <laughs> okay, that's enough Kickers special aren't teams. Real they were awful. The we don't need to spend any more time hold on, on Hold teams. on, hold on, hold on. The Snapchiller. <laughs> oh, well, okay, hold on. Let's move on to the now. other thing that sucked, the offense. <laughs> <laughs> we're on special teams. Let me get it all out of the way. Worse than the kicking, to me, because this is a prolonged thing, Matt Amendola or, is not going to be around, right? Like, he's not going to be here anymore. You know who is? Steve Tobe in whatever this team, special teams unit is doing. <laughs> Sky Moore clearly had some issues seeing punts when they were coming down. On one side of the field, I want to be very mm -hmm. clear, like it seemed pretty fixed once they flipped sides, but that was still a potential issue. Isaiah Pacheco looked terrible as a kick returner in this game. He was slipping left and right. He ran into his own blockers. Like Those are things that might impact you throughout the entire season, so I think those things matter more. Yeah, I don't think Dave Tobe is the best special teams coach in the NFL. I think he just gets the most talent allotted to him <laughs> for the position, but he's not a bad special teams coach. He's far from a bad one. I think they will get this stuff figured out, but I think those things mean a lot more for the long run than a kicker who won a competition versus a bunch of kickers that weren't on teams. Like that's where my head goes to special team stuff. Anything else, Craig? No. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I just I didn't like. I mean, I just the, Matt Amendola. I know the Chiefs released him on a Monday because I guess they decided to do that on today, right after the game. I, you know, that seems a little. I don't think he's the scapegoat on this one. That's all I want to say. I just didn't like it. I, I, I don't. It's not his fault that he got picked. <laughs> he, uh, anyways, let's go ahead and air some grievances out. So if you are feeling like, uh, like airing some grievances, uh, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, leave a comment, air your grievances out. We will pop some of those up throughout this show. That's what we do. Uh, so just, you know, do that. Uh, Maddie, I'm going to give you the floor to, uh, to, to take this whatever direction you feel fit. Give us something that frustrated you 24 hours after all this. You people, the fans, the media, you guys have frustrated me because all I have seen on Twitter, on my timeline, all I have seen on ESPN and NFL Network from the vast majority of people is how Patrick Mahomes didn't take the layups. He didn't take the check downs. He played poorly. He looks lost. He doesn't know what he's doing. So on and so forth. Go back and re-watch this football game if you have not done so already and try to come back and say that again. Go back and watch this game and find these missed check downs. He's finding. I'm not saying there will be zero. There's clearly going to be some in there. That's the style of quarterback he is. 
You want Mahomes to hit your checkdowns after two seconds? Go watch Justin Herbert. Go back and watch the ghost of Drew Brees try to run that offense in New Orleans. Go watch a different quarterback that wants to get to the flat in two seconds and doesn't want to push the ball. I'm not advocating for hunting for big plays. There's a big difference between hunting for big plays and running the same style, the same brand of quarterbacking that you have that has made you so successful in the NFL. And he has changed his time to throw, his average depth of target. All of these things are dropping. The Colts did a pretty good job taking away the quick stuff. And even still, with his offensive line playing terrible, with the Chiefs still struggling to find the best way to utilize this new receiving group and these tight ends, Patrick Mahomes played a really darn good game given what he had to go up to. We were one dropped Kelsey touchdown or one dropped uh, Justin Watson sliding catch away from talking about how Patrick Mahomes carried an awful offensive line performance, receivers that couldn't get open, and a rushing game that saw their starting running back have seven carries for zero yards to a victory through the biggest special teams collapse you've ever seen. We're talking drops from players that can catch the ball, that have caught the ball for this team. The takes about Mahomes after this particular game are absolutely insane. Not saying he was perfect, but good Lord, go back and watch some of the stuff that he's dealing with or some of the throws that he was making. My man was dealt the worst hand imaginable and still almost took a nightmare game and made it into a victory. You want to say the Chargers beat him on a couple coverage calls? Sure, you're correct. You want to say he missed Clyde for a check down on one play because he was working off of a hard play action, working deep to shallow, and then he decided to scramble and try to make a play like he usually does? Sure, fair criticism, but to say he was lost or poor... Y'all, come on now. You don't. I don't want to watch check down Andy for an entire game. That's not the brand of football I want to watch. That's not how this team is ever going to be any good. That's how you get the second half of the Cincinnati Bengals loss in the AFC Championship round. So just take a step back. Where Aaron grievances, my grievances, are with everybody saying that we need to throw the ball shorter. Throw it even shorter. Throw it closer to the line of scrimmage when you have the best quarterback in the league. Come on now. I mean, okay. You You want to watch Patrick Mahomes play poorly? Go back a week. <laughs> that, was, yeah. that was not a good yeah. performance. That was a legitimately poor performance. This this is much better. He he got let down a little bit by some drops. Obviously, barely misses MVS over the top. I know everybody keeps kind of hinting at that. That's the stuff that kind of is going to come with a little bit of time. But I, I, I look at this a lot, and I, I have seen it all day. You know, it's it, it will break down more of the why behind the offense, but I have seen a lot of the, hey, you know, this offense hasn't been the same this year without Tyree Kill. Of course it hasn't. Tyree Kill's different. He's a game changer. He can do things that other wide receivers can't. But, oh, only three points in the second half. That You know, that doesn't happen with Tyree Kill. Those sorts of things don't happen with Tyree Kill. It happened five times last year with Tyree Kill. Five times that they did not score over three points in the second half. The same sorts of things. They go into a lull. It's not just... Patrick it's not just this there are multiple different things that happen Andy sometimes just gets a little stagnant and if there are drops as we saw last year that's what we can attribute a lot of those five games where you look at some of this you can look back at four or five plays in those five games and just say oh man if that guy catches this or they hit this or they don't get this penalty oh it, it, we're talking about this a completely different way it's the same offense. It's the same sort of deal that we are seeing this season that we saw last season. It's kind of a put Patrick in superhero mode and hopefully he bails us out because most of the time he does. And yeah, I'm with Maddie. He was pretty good this week. Yeah, the, the offense really hasn't looked 
the same since that week in Arizona, that first week down in Phoenix. You guys know what? I was in Phoenix uh, a couple months ago. Do you know that? I was. I uh, went on vacation with my wife. We got into Phoenix very early. We stopped. We got some bagels. And I, a big fan of uh, seltzers, uh, grabbed a, uh, a liquid death, actually. Did you know that? Little uh, little lime, little lime, uh, refreshing seltzer. This was this was not a alcoholic seltzer. You might thought it was. Might have thought it was a tall boy of beer. It's actually bottled water in the section of your local stores. Uh, it's mountain spring water from the Alps. And again, it's called Liquid Death. Why is it called Liquid Death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst. And their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or the bagel shop I went to in Phoenix. Uh, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. That's liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. Look, you're already against thirst. I think that, um, you know what you get if, if you get Mahomes checking down all the time, do you know what you get a Justin, different player, Justin Herbert? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I live with it. A we got it. We too. got a good question here because this is, you know, Joe Satterwhite here asks. So Craig, if this is an Andy problem, then why can't Andy see it? Andy's been doing this forever. Like this is, this is the Andy Reed offense. Like the first 15 are like everything with Andy and you get out, you see the first 15, you make minor adjustments after that. You just kind of go with what your gut is feeling. And we have seen it time and time again with Andy Reed. He plays out the first 15, especially against an opponent that you should mollywop like the Colts this weekend. And then you turn around and you just go, you know what? We're going to keep everything just right here, close to the vest. We're not going to do anything that's going to overextend. We're not going to put extra stuff on tape. We're going to protect all of our best plays, and we're just going to get by with the bare minimum. And then when it's time to restart it, it doesn't always come back on, whether that be his play calling, whether that be the players, whatever the case may be. We get into this situation multiple times a year. That doesn't make Andy a bad coach. It just means this happens. when you. This is part of the Andy Reid experience. It's never going to be emptying the clip into a bad team, ever. It never is going to be that. You are always going to see so much held back throughout the entire course of everything in the regular season because he wants to find the right, perfect moment for everything. And that's why you see lulls like this that occur in games like this. Well, I think people also forget that Andy Reid's roots are still very much a traditional West Coast offense, right? Like a lot of his offensive scheme with Mahomes or even the last year of Alex Smith and the Chiefs was adapted because of the personnel he had. But you can still see when things aren't connecting, the Chiefs trend greatly into a more traditional West Coast offense with some spread elements and things like that that he's brought from college. I don't want to say that he hasn't changed, but it still very much comes from the same general spot that we've seen some other boring offenses throughout the NFL history, right? Like you wouldn't call Andy Reid's offense boring because I think he does enough, but at the end of the day, it's still not the most exciting offense to watch a team that wants to execute 38 slants or mesh concepts across the middle of the field for seven or eight yards. Like, right. That's not what it is. And when you all of a sudden replace 
Tyreek Hill, who's arguably the fastest player that you know the NFL's ever seen, with bigger bodied, slower wide receivers, but you're still running that same type of offense, which I do think the Chiefs are still running a lot of the same general stuff so far. It doesn't look as pretty. All of a sudden, you have even Gus Bradley, who still played plenty of cover three, but he was mixing it up a little bit more than he normally would. And you play the Chargers, who aren't didn't just sit in a too high shell all game because they're, they weren't afraid of the speed over the top. You have a lot more bodies to deal with down there. And now you have a quarterback who can play on time, but that's not always where he's been the best, is making these instant, you know, as soon as he hits the top of the drop, the ball is out kind of throws, and that's not what makes him special. So you don't want to force him into being that. And that's just kind of what you get with this offense. So sometimes it's going to look stagnant. Sometimes it will look bad. I think that Andy Reid, everything up until the ball is snapped, is arguably the best offensive mind in the entire NFL. Some of his concepts post-snap, I do think he may, he has probably fallen behind post-snap on what the concepts look like. But I think about four to five other offensive coaches in the NFL just over the time, over the past five, six years, I don't think he's one of the best five like play I don't want to say like uh, designers because his trick plays and his window dressing is all phenomenal, but just the way the route concepts all mesh together, the way everything flows together once the ball is snapped, I think he's sitting around five, six, seven rather than one, two, or three, which we all would have said he was as of four or five years ago. Uh, Mercurial asks a great question. If the play calling is snagnet, could it be the protections that are too bland? Does that explain Ooh. the drop off in the offensive line? I think that there's a little bit of truth to this. We talked about this last week. I think the Chargers did a pretty good job attacking protection. I think the I think the Colts did a little bit too. There might be a little bit there to think about um up front. Like I we I we, I meant, I think did I mention this last week when we were talking to Jeff Allen and they don't have a ton of protections in their in their book. They believe, you know, they've got some flexibility with the protections that they have. But it's not like they're throwing 10, 11, and 12 protections at, at any given time. They do think keep things pretty simple. That can potentially lead to attacking some protections at times, Matthew. That's clearly what happened. Listen, James Palmer really had a video today that went up, and you know he talked about how he talked to Andrew Wiley and some of the stuff that came out of it. It was essentially exactly that. It was, hey, they did some stuff that caught us off guard, and we weren't quite ready for it. And he... <laughs> This is hard to wrap my head around for a team that has, I think has a really good offensive line coach and Andy Heck. I, I know he's caught a lot of flack, but I actually think he's a very good coach. Andy Reid's clearly an offensive line guy. This is a team that runs relatively basic protections, and it's a basic protection because it handles almost everything well. All of a sudden this year, teams have got a read on them. All of a sudden this year, teams are able to confuse this offensive line that was supposed to be one of the best in the NFL and this The Colts wasn't even necessarily stunts, games, and twists. It was the Chiefs just simply didn't seem to have a good idea of when where guys, when guys were slanting, when they were trying to go a different direction, like what kind of rush they were using. And it was some late snap movement, some showing of pressure that never came. Like this offensive line's protection scheme, which is, again, very, very basic, but that works for them in the past, all of a sudden isn't working for them. And that's that's something. Yeah, I, I, we saw a lot of like linebackers at about four yards, you know, like a third linebacker, maybe a safety that are about four yards, making making the offense, you know, have to shift protections a little bit. And then we'd see a stunt to that side with a delayed blitz coming off of that linebacker or the linebacker would drop out. And now all of a sudden you've got that stunt coming over there or maybe the defensive end would drop off to the flat and try and peel off and take the running back and you'd have that linebacker or safety coming you know the opposite a or something like that it seemed like it was coming mostly 
over the right side of the offensive line too. Like it seemed like they had something figured out there and it wasn't necessarily that they were targeting just Trey Smith or just Andrew Wiley or just Creed Humphrey in those scenarios, because all of those guys did give up some stuff. Wiley wasn't bad, but the guys did give up some stuff up the gut there. And it just seemed to be a similar plan of attack to what the Chargers said. You know, we've now seen it two weeks in a row that these guys were able to game some stuff up. Guys are late rotating. Maybe guys don't have their eyes in the right spot, picking stuff up, picking late guys coming on delayed blitzes. And it's just, it seems to be confusing. It really does. And so I, I wonder if teams took a look at the tape last year and took a look at the ways that they were able to get pressure off of some of these things and went, oh, we know that Andy Heck only has a couple of protections that he installs every single week. Let's try a couple pressures early on in the game because the other thing that Andrew Wiley said was it took him a little while, but then they started bringing some stuff that we hadn't seen before that we weren't expecting. So maybe, you know, they're testing the waters a little bit. They're trying to get their, you know, their teases and stuff like that in the first 15, much like Andy is. You're trying to figure out which couple of protection schemes that Andy Reed is or Andy Heck is installing that week. And then you're attacking that repeatedly yeah. because you know that guy's that those guys aren't going to be able to recover from that quite as easily. And I think that that's kind of why we see as the game goes along, as we get into the second half, again, sometimes last year, you see Patrick Mahomes under more pressure than maybe we saw him before, giving up some more stuff than maybe we saw before. So maybe it is just a shift in philosophy. That would be nice because that's something that you can direct and focus on and clean up as the year goes along. If that's all it is, man, just identify it, figure it out and adjust because that's the key there to making this offense go essentially. And one reason this might've been difficult to pick up on even in years past is nobody blitzes Patrick Mahomes. So we talk about how this offensive line probably should have gelled last year, but again, nobody blitzes Patrick Mahomes Mm. all of a sudden this year coming out and the Cardinals just throw a bunch of pressure at them and somehow get some pressure doing so like the Chiefs still tore them up, but they got pressure doing so the Chargers could have very simply just looked at that and said, wait a second, if we throw enough of these kinds of looks at them and the Cardinals are known for these mugging disguised pressures that are coming from all over the place, you try to replicate some of those. And all of a sudden you see, okay, wait a second, we're now having success doing this again. And then the Colts see that and then they try. And all of a sudden now you have an offensive line that has quote unquote chemistry, but they haven't been challenged in this way because again, you just simply say, nope, you're not going to blitz that quarterback because he's going to beat you. Now all of a sudden they are, and it's up to you to pick it up. And they just simply are not doing a very good job. That's a really, really, really good point, Matthew. I hate complimenting you. God, I should leave now. I should Costanza this. We should just talk special teams the rest of the night, and you should get the rest of the night off. Well, and you compound all that with, hey, let's play some tighter coverage, too. Let's let's Mm -hmm. make Patrick Mahomes hold on the ball another tick, too. Let's see if these receivers can beat some man coverage. They can't. I mean, that's, that's an interesting formula. That's an interesting thought when you pair everything together. And yeah, like you're right. They didn't get pre- they didn't they didn't throw a lot of pressures at Mahomes last year. That offensive line didn't have to deal with those. I think you know, and like there probably was a little bit of attacking that right side, like to your point, Craig, because it doesn't seem like Trey Smith's moving a hundred percent quite yet. Doesn't look like he's completely moving great laterally entirely all the time either. And I I think Andrew Wiley has turned into a pumpkin this year. 
Uh, and all respect for what Andrew Wiley put on tape last year. I don't think he's played particularly well this season. We sure he's uh, even their worst offensive lineman they have? I was going to say, I was going to say, I, I didn't think he was the worst offensive lineman yesterday personally, but that Here's was... Here's a fun stat. Like, I don't know how far anybody goes into next-gen stats, like average depth to quarterback from defenders, right? But if you anyone that does, generally speaking, the leader is like the best player. The best player for a team is about four yards away from the quarterback on average, and it's usually a defensive tackle because they line up closer to their direct line. Mm -hmm. Yannick Ngakwe, 2.96 yards on average to Patrick Mahomes. That is a defensive end that is only rushing wide. That has an okay inside counter, but for the most part, he was only rushing wide. He was a full yard closer to Mahomes on every single, on average, than the just typical leader for a team. Not the average defender, just the average leader, the average best defender for a team. That is insane. It is insane how close to Mahomes and Gakwe was able to get over and over again by simply doing running, just running. He ran the shape yeah. of a fish hook every single play and hit Mahomes' arm on more than one occasion as he's trying to throw the ball. Was able to sack him because Orlando Brown Jr. is having one of the most pitiful contract year performances I have ever seen. I mean, it's not good. I mean, uh, hey, kudos to Brett Veach and company for tagging him because as it stands right now, if he would have signed the deal that they offered him, like, it, it wouldn't look great. Like, it really wouldn't look great. And he he needs to have a serious turnaround here, obviously. He, he would tell you that himself. He's given up way too much pressure. All the offensive line is, he's given up way too much pressure. It's just one of those scenarios where you don't want to – be in a situation where you've got a young tackle that you want to pay, that you want to be your franchise left tackle, and they're not performing because you look around, draft ain't chock full of them this year, free agent market doesn't have much in the way of it either. So you're potentially looking at a trade if you are looking to try and add a guy to this group. And boy, if you're trading another set of assets after trading assets for this guy that is just a tough pill to swallow for some people bad look <clears throat> real bad, bad. Mm -hmm. real bad look real bad process uh orlando brown should not sniff what he thought he was worth this this offseason should not sniff it if he continues to play like this and he won't the market is it, it's going to it's it's increasingly looking like a bad choice by orlando brown not to take the chiefs deal and a bullet dodged by the Chiefs in them not taking that deal. I I am I'm not thrilled with what we've seen from Orlando Brown Jr. to this point. I am not optimistic either. We're hopefully he can he can pull things up to you know pull things together, but this has just been it's been brutal. It's just been absolutely brutal. And like Mahomes, like I think Mahomes has some of the best like sense. Uh, you know, he fills his backside extremely well. He has really good timing. His, you know, he, he he does a good job of getting the ball out before pressure beats him, even backside pressure. Boy, it was close. It was getting real close last week or this week against the Colts. Like it, abnormally close. I was, and, and, and we saw it. I mean, he, he got his arm hit a couple times. Like that was too quick of a win out, out, out the backside. And and Orlando Brown did not have an answer for a speed rush. It was just it was bad. Brent Shepard throws something out, and it's it's kind of cheeky. But you know why don't we hurt? Why don't the Chiefs go hurry up and let Patrick call plays? I'll be honest with you. Like here's the thing: 
I've been clamoring for the Chiefs to play with a little bit of tempo from here, from here, from from now, you know, from time to time to mix things up. Literally since Mahomes' rookie year, I wrote an article like my his his rookie year said, "Hey, you know what? If you if he earns a little bit of trust, try to play with a little bit of tempo. Try to go with a little bit of no huddle. Try to get you know just just as a, as a curveball. That is not happening. If Andy Reid is your play caller, he does not do it. He does not like it." He doesn't like he he wants control. This control. is and I am not control. I'm not control. I'm not criticizing that. That's just what you get with Andy Reid. He wants control. He wants to. He wants the sticks in his hands. He wants to be the one calling the plays. He wants to be in control of the situation, and so he's not going to relinquish play calling in any capacity. You want to talk about the fifty one percent thing? It's more than fifty one percent. It's 51%, but that 51% matters more than anything. I mean, he is he's the dude, and he's that not giving it up. That, that 1% extra actually weighs about, oh, I don't know, 60%. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's never going to happen. And I agree. I think a little tempo from time to time, trusting the best player in the world to play with a little bit of tempo, it's only happening in those special situations, even though I think it would be very wise for this team to consider doing something like that. Craig, you haven't had a chance to air a grievance yet. Like I know we both kind of, me and Maddie have, why don't you just throw, throw, throw a grievance out that you have? Yeah. Um, call a slant, do something <laughs> like, I mean, come on, you got big ass receivers that can wall dudes off. You got Marquez Valdez Scantling who has freakishly long arms. You've got Sky Moore who can create a little bit of separation on a Wait, slant. Do they? No, they do. He played eight snaps today or yesterday. Um, Guy, you got Juju Smith Schuster. It's a very, you know, thick receiver that can play out of the slot. You've got all of these guys and yet the concepts are all, Hey, you run a go route. Hey, you run this. Hey, you run this deep over. Hey, you do this. We touched on it earlier, but run a slant every once in a while. It's third and three. Run a slant. Hit a guy like that. It seems like the only guys that they want to throw those two right now are just Travis Kelsey. Maybe Clyde on an angle route. I mean, we've only been asking for that for three years, and they're finally starting to do it. And guess what? It looks good. But you've got these guys that are tailor-made for elements of the offense. Maddie, you said it earlier today. How can you sit back? And watch the Colts against, you know, a team that's trying to stop them just hit these eight to 11 yard curls over and over and over again. And they're open. You just got guys that are peeling back. They're able to wall off defenders, bring the ball in. Matt Ryan is not better at placing a curl than Patrick Mahomes is. It's not like Michael Pittman is just some behemoth of a man that's walling off somebody. He's no better at it than these other guys that the Chiefs went out and got. That's why you went out to get him. That's the whole reason why you went out to get him. And running the old offense, running those old things that you have been doing for the past three years with Tyree Kill that worked exceptionally well. I'm on board with that entire process there. But now you've got guys that are different. So line up and do it different. You're not revealing anything by saying, hey, Juju, go out there and run a slant. Like, you're just beating a dude. You're beating him in man coverage, which you're seeing more of. You're seeing more physical at the line of scrimmage with some of these DBs. I'm not asking for them to throw a whole bunch of balls at Kenny Moore because he's an exceptional player, but 
hit the dudes on the outside. Give it a chance. Like, try and give some of those dudes an opportunity. Have Patrick dot them up every once in a while. Force them to kind of eat some of those, you know, quick passes. We see offenses do it to the Chiefs defense all the time. Just all the time. And that doesn't mean that the Chiefs defense is bad. We see it happen with offense or defenses throughout the league. We just don't see those sorts of plays very often from Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense, unless it's an RPO. Like, that's it. You don't have a guy, unless it's an RPO, you're not dotting these guys up, trying to get these five, six-yard gains, and just stay ahead of the sticks. Just try. Uh, What's funny? Go, go, Maddie. Sorry. What's funny is the Colts wide receivers, the two wide receivers that had multiple targets, Alec Pierce, Michael Pittman, you know, nine targets for Pittman, five for Pierce. Their average separation when targeted was 1.58 and 1.67 yards. That's a full yard below like the NFL's average. Like these guys aren't getting open at all in terms of separation, but yet you watch those guys, especially in the few Colts sustained drives. It was easy hitch completion, easy hitch completion. You go back and watch Mike Williams, who I'm sure his average separation was probably negative yards. And it was still though, it seemed like easy hitch completion easy hitch completion. Oh, maybe they run a quick little slant, easy completion. The Chiefs have just no way to get those easy plays. And they they have the way they just don't do it. They just choose not to do it. You can go find the route charts of the guy, the players with the wide receivers run for the Chiefs. And it's literally all the same stuff. Crossing route, crossing route. Oh, maybe you would line with a condensed split and run a little speed out. But like, that's all it is over and over again. This isn't Tyree Kill. You're not going to run a speed out and immediately generate three yards of separation. You're not going to run a crossing route and have the cornerback who has faster than you all of a sudden get less left in the dust. Let these guys hit a hard break, come out of it in a position to block out a defender, and then throw the ball there. If you don't want your offense to be that, I get it, because that's not what Mahomes has had in the past. It's not what they've been really good at. Don't go out and sign a bunch of big-bodied receivers. Don't come out and play 40% of your snaps in heavy personnel with multiple tight ends and slow receivers and just completely tank your offense's ability to do anything, which is what the Chiefs are doing right now when they go into 12 personnel, especially when they have Juju and MVS on the field together. It is like watching... It's like watching the Missouri Tigers. It's just an unathletic program out there trying to compete with the SEC. Listen, wow. man, you don't. You didn't need to take that shot. Our poor Fields Tigers hurt. fans over here. Normally, I, gotta, I would go with Kansas, but Kansas is like respectable this year, so I couldn't. We've I got I, our buddy Bearcat. I don't know if he's watching. He's a Chiefs fan. He's a Missouri Tigers fan, and he's a Central uh, Northwest Missouri State fan. He had a very, very, very rough weekend. <laughs> uh, you know, we talk about hey, easy completions, taking some of that stuff, being willing to kind of throw into tight quarters on the outside, maybe trying to throw some back shoulder stuff and how that's not necessarily part of this offense might speak to Andy a little bit it might speak to what we just kind of talked about that level of control he wants to you know drop some really elaborate creative plays that he's always going to have a he's always going to be in his bag and maybe sometimes he maybe maybe it's a call for a little bit more simplicity at times maybe there is a need for a little bit more simplicity it's sprinkled in there where 
you know, you're trying to take some easy completions against soft coverage. You're encouraging your quarterback to maybe throw some of these outside, you know, some of these fade routes, you know, trying to look, I, I trust Juju Smith Schuster in a 50, 50 situation. I like him there. I think he's got extremely strong hands. I think he's got good body control. I think you can hit him with some of these outs, you know, some of these, these throws outside the numbers. So um, it's, it's worth, it's worth having the discussion about. Um, all right, Matthew, you got anything else you want to air grievances before we get out of here? I mean, buddy, do you really want to ask? Look at this run game. What the hell? Just what in the actual hell is that? We spend all this time talking about how they're getting bigger, how they're getting these power gap blocking guys, and I don't think they have fully committed to it. However, when they do, it still looks really, really, really bad. Their best run play is still same side, inside zone, out of the gun. And even mm. that's blown up on mm. the goal line. And much to mm. Craig's chagrin, they tried that <laughs> on the goal line. Trey Smith so gets dumb. absolutely pummeled by Grover Stewart. And it, they don't get anywhere. It's just this run game is abysmal. And I get it. The Colts have a good rushing attack. There is no chance that your starting running back can have seven carries for zero yards. Well, actually, there is. It's when your quarterback has to point the hole to him and he still runs away from it. Listen, there, there was an outside zone that he just he missed the cut back badly. It, it's just not good. It's not good. The run game's not good. Part of that is because a lot of times when they're running out of 12, it feels like 11 uh, because they don't have <laughs> – I mean, it does. It's and true. See, it does. I, there's about, no benefit of 12 if neither of your two can block. Right. This is Y'all want to Blake cut Bell. Blake Bell. Y'all they miss to cut him. Blake Bell desperately miss Blake Bell in some of those scenarios. You're having to leave Travis Kelsey into block a lot of these times. That doesn't, I mean, he, he actually did pretty well the, this week. I, you know, I thought right, he was yeah. pretty, pretty good blocking this week, but that's, you're having to leave him in. Like, don't leave him in, put Blake Bell out there, put the bell dozer out there. I mean, like the 12 personnel doesn't feel like true 12 personnel right now. And that's kind of where you get away from some of this stuff. Because if you got 12 personnel on the field and it's Noah Gray and Travis Kelsey, you're probably leaking Noah Gray out. If you've got, or you've got him on the move or something like that, you're not putting him in line and saying, hey, go move this defensive end. Yeah. You do that with Blake Bell, you kick Travis Kelsey out, and all of a sudden you get a little more flexible, you get a little more dynamic on offense, you blow up a whole, few more holes in the run game. It's just all beneficial there. I know I talked about in the you know offseason here, you get big slots. You get big guys on the interior, Juju, MVS, these guys that are exceptional blockers that can line up in condensed formations and you can block it up, kind of like what their current 12 personnel blocks it up like, but you're doing it with 11. They're not even doing that. Like they're not even running some of those tight to the formation, condensed form, you know, condensed stuff, trying to do all that. I don't know if it's because Spags has knocked it out of him because every time the opposing offense goes into condensed formation, but Jerry Sneed just blitzes and gets a QB hit. But I don't know what the deal is, but they're not doing it. They're not again, it just goes back to utilize the weapons, utilize them how you know they work. It, you you know how to do this. It's it's stuff, it's right there, it's all right there. I just it makes me sad when we when we see game plans like this that it just kind of feels difficult and futile at moments. And it, we've seen a few too many of those over the past year or, or so. But it, it does feel like it does feel like it's again, like I said, get us out of this, Patrick. Please, you know, do do something and you get us out of this, please. 
This was supposed to be one of those games where we have a lot of issues with the long-term outlook of this team and, and big fixable mistakes in their 3-0. and And we're laughing at the rest of the AFC West uh, even because the well, We Broncos, can still do that. We still they're, can. They're... The Broncos are the are the worst 2-1 and team in football, and they are embarrassing. Oh, sure. it's and the hilarious. Chargers may not feel the team next week if their injury luck keeps going on. So, yikes. You know, I the think Raiders are in three. <laughs> putting putting people down is really helping right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Uh, the, Russell Wilson called yesterday a good game. Like <laughs> that that he's bad. He's expensive bad. Uh, real quick, Kyle Coffee. We need some nice sky snaps this week. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. I know <laughs> Sky Moore fumbled the ball. Uh, shout out Jim Mercer for opening up the opening up the dome. I think that was a strategic advantage because I think Travis mm-hmm. Kelsey lost a touchdown. I think I think the dome might have I think the dome might have earned uh the Colts 14 points because I think Sky Fumble came from that. I think uh Travis Kelsey's touchdown drop came from that, honestly. Genuinely, I'm not absolving them completely. They're professionals. Felt like it. Um Sky Moore, I think, can do some things with the ball in his hands i'd love to find out i would love <laughs> to find out i mean I, mccole kind of rendered useless this week um didn't play particularly well might have been some injury stuff looked like say. played a lot of snaps if he was hurt though a mahomes, lot of snaps for a guy and, that was hurt. and mahomes didn't really seem particularly interested in throwing the football i know at least That's one is do. there's a cur- i know it's just frustrating it's like uh, the whole mccole you know the mccole breakout season's coming okay well, he's on pace for 370 yards this season. Uh yeah, he's just far he's just farther down the depth chart now. Like it's just crazy. I I will slightly defend McCool here. I <laughs> think that what he brought to the team against the Chargers was actually significant. I think the fact that he hit that over the top play and with the two plays and then the DPI on the long run where he did get hurt on actually like I think those plays mattered a lot for the Chiefs in that game. I think that kept the Chargers being a little bit more honest, and that mm-hmm. is ultimately what allowed them to have some of the offenses. It wasn't a lot, but some of the offensive success they did. The fact that they could not get that going against the Colts, I think, really, really hurt. The fact that whether it was Hardman being injured, whether it was him just not having a good game, Kenny Moore specifically locking up, whatever it may be, I think that really hurt. And if that's the case, or even you know whether or not he's playing well or not, Get Sky more out there with some speed. You want to have, I, I think Juju Smith Schuster's still been very good for the Chiefs the past two weeks. I actually think he's been really good. Yeah. The more they target him, the better the offense looks. I think they're trying to force MVS to be a type of receiver that he is not. And that shows up when you watch him come out of a break a little slow, come out of a break and take a second to try to find the ball. And the timing just looks off. This offense looks better when they're going through Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster. But if you want to run some of these routes, whether it's with Juju or MVS, where they're crossing the field or making a hard break, put the guy that's actually quick in and out of breaks in. Just see what happens. Like, we, what's the worst that happens? It doesn't look good for a little bit. Okay, take him back out then. Oh, no. Problem solved. It's not like it already looks good as is. And I understand they have practice for that. It's like they probably see stuff in practice that makes them think these other guys are the better option. I'm sure that's the case. But goodness get a different body type out there, especially when McColl's having a bad game. He's the only guy that really stretches. I think Justin Watson's performed admirably for who he is. He's still kind of a slow speed guy that works on the vertical plane to get behind defenses. He doesn't have a lot of burst. He doesn't have a ton of wiggle to snap off routes. 
get the guy, the one guy on the depth chart that actually can and just see what it looks like sometimes. I don't know. It's a weird decision to give him eight snaps. And I want to go back and see what those eight snaps are because I don't feel like he was really part of the progression for those eight snaps. It was just kind of, hey, go do something. I mean, and it makes you wonder because like Patrick was asked about him after the game in the post-game presser. And he said, hey, listen, man, you know, Guy makes a mistake. You you, you got to get him integrated. You got to get that. And I don't know if that's Patrick. You know, would you call it earlier? Can't recruiting from the podium. I, I think I saw you say <laughs> recruiting from the podium earlier. Sorry, today. Luther Burden to Georgia here. Yeah, no, year. but I mean, like recruiting from the podium. You know, basically saying it's like, and listen, got to get him involved. Maybe he's looking at the body types. Maybe he's looking at some of that and going, I just want a guy who can get separation. I want a guy who can beat man coverage. I want a guy who can get out there. Give me a yard that I can get him open on. Somebody with a little more suddenness, somebody with a little more acceleration coming out of the breaks. That's that could just be it. You know, they got the, these other body types. Have a complimentary one. And McColl, when he's playing well, can be that. He's not the most explosive guy, but he's certainly got the speed to do it. Turn around and give that to a guy who can actually do something like that and hope that your offense can look a little bit better. I'm not asking for him to play 50 snaps. I'm asking for him to play 20 snaps, 25 snaps. You can still integrate him into the offense. But that being said, Eric Bieniemy was not a liar this week. He did say he was going to have more than two snaps, and he had eight. Speaking of turn around and give it to him, why not maybe just put the ball in his hands from the backfield a couple of times. Let's see what happens there. I'd rather see other dudes. Do I know. I'd, ra- I yeah. I'd rather seen the ball go in sky Moore's hands than, than McColl's on that third and two that they tried to run into the boundary against the chargers. I mean, they played and they, they showed sky Moore out of the backfield, carrying the ball a little bit. It can't get any worse. I mean, it can't get any yeah. worse. Just give, give a shot, give him 10 snaps, but just make it have a couple touches that are designed to go to him. I'm not asking for a lot. You want to call up one of these McColl screenplays. You want to call up one of these Juju Smith-Schuster speed outs and just have it be Skymore instead. Or the MVS shot play. Just let's see it with him. Just give him, I don't care how many snaps it is. Just give him a play that is designed to go his direction and not a play where he's likely shoved on the backside, running a spacing route to hold an underneath defender or to clear out for someone. It's like, you know, give him a real cons, like part of the route that it's going to be involved. It doesn't have to be a lot. Just let's just see it. And guess what? Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. I'm not asking for him to be the starter. Just put him out on the field and get him actually involved. Because right now, this wide receiver room is the definition of not it, the way they're playing. Such hmm. a, it's such a great game to try to get him introduced uh, to the National Football League against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, too. That makes so much sense. We'll be talking more about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game later in the week. We've kind of got some things out. We've aired a few grievances. Thanks to everybody for the comments. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Leave some comments if you're angry or not. Whatever. By all means. It helps the channel grow, so that's nice. That's going to do it for the KC Laboratory. Thank you so much. We'll catch you later. Defense! For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.